Happy Sabbath. Once again, I got something exciting to talk to you about. It's a little commercial, a little advert. Uh, the worship team led by Elder Revo uh, came together and we had this community connection this morning. That is, we just got together to be able to check on each other, to connect. Although, uh, after all, we are a body. So we decided that it would be good that before every service begins, we are together and just connect. And so we want to invite you to come and join us. We're going to try to do this every week, just 20 minutes before the service to be together. I want to see your face and I'm sure you want to see my face. You know, I mean, that really boosted me up this morning. I was able to see Kresge this morning. I was able to see Susan and Stella. Uh, I was it was really beautiful. So I want you to join us and be with us. And we heard a wonderful testimony from, from Pam and a few, a few, a few others shared what's, what's happening. So please join us for a little community uh, connection. It's important and we need that. So we are in a week old series called Beyond Livestream, the dynamics of a distanced church. What we uncovered in our first sermon called The Dynamics of a Distanced Church, uh, reflecting on 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is that the church is a body. The church should be connected in spite of the distance. So a beautiful soul came to me or texted me, says, Pastor, the sermon really spoke to my heart. And I was thinking that I didn't have a place in the body of Christ, but now I realize that I have a place in the body of Christ. And I'm like, sister, God bless you because you really have a place in the body of Christ. Another said to me, pastor, I really want to be involved and I want to get, get in tune. And I'm like, sister, that's the way you should be thinking. And, and so sermons and preaching is supposed to tug your heart to act. And I'm glad that uh, people are really being inspired about what we're talking about here uh, every week. Now, if you want to catch that sermon, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. You can get the sermons right there and, and be blessed. In fact, there's uh, the sermons even begin going all the way back to last year. So you can join us right there and you will be, you'll be blessed. And look at, look, at, look at us or look for us under the handle Jakarta Central Church. Jakarta Central Church. So I've chosen as our text this morning... 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 19 to 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 19 to 24. These are the last words that conclude the book of 1 Corinthians. And I want to reflect on this as the preaching text this morning. The text says, The churches of Asia greet you. Priscilla and Aquila greet you heartily in the Lord, with the church that is in their house. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. The salutation with my own hand, pause. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. I particularly do not like reading terms and conditions. 
See, terms and conditions are boring. I recently joined a virtual marathon, and before I could join the virtual marathon, I had to read the terms and conditions. And so I started to read, but to be honest with you, I didn't really read, read, read. I just skimmed through. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You know, when you see the terms and conditions or uh, things related to the product, you don't really read that. You just pass by that. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, uh, 19 to 104 is almost like reading terms and conditions. It is a passage that dwells on the, the mundane. It is a passage that talks about uh, greetings and, and it's not exciting like the stories of Jesus. It is not uh, exhilarating like prophecy talking about the future. It is not poetic like Psalms and the Proverbs, which teach us how to live life. It's as if Paul wastes precious space of scripture uh, to talk about greetings. But I want you to understand that no word of scripture is a waste of space. One writer put it beautifully when he said, all scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 19 to 24 is going to rebuke us this morning. It will correct us this morning. It will teach us this morning. And I want you to, I want to propose that it is going to train us this morning. You see, some passages of scripture are like soto. They just easily digest in you. Uh, some passages of scripture are like salak. You must peel off the skin in order to eat the, the meat. Uh, some are like durian and you need to get used to them. But each part of scripture is a necessary nutrition that we need for our spiritual diet. For all scripture, says Paul, is God breathed. That's simply to say it is inspired from God. That is to say that it is something that God intends to be a blessing. There is a supernatural effect and power in the scripture. And it is useful. And I'm talking to those of us who find a way to bypass the genealogies. You know the genealogies, right? He begat this one and that begat that one and this one begat that one. You know, I'm talking about those passages of scripture that are the, 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 the laws and, and the sacrifices. I want you to understand that those passages of scripture are important for our spiritual diet. And this morning, 1 Corinthians Chapter 16, 1924 is going to be a blessing because it teaches an important lesson about touch points. Touch points. That is a sermon this morning. Touch points. May we just say that to your brother or your sister or your wife or your husband? Just say touch points. Touch points. Those of you in the room, can you just join me and say touch points? Let us pray. Touch us, O oh God, in Jesus' name, amen. So Paul is in Ephesus, but he's writing to Corinth. 
Paul is at a distance, but he wants to be present within the church of, of Corinth. He wants to deliver to them things that are necessary for their spiritual growth. In the church of Corinth, there has been issues that are so detrimental to the health of the church. A mother and a son are found in the same bed. That's, that's strange. That's not right. But that is what is happening in the church of Corinth. Some church members, uh, they come to church and when it's communion time, they, they do not wait for the foot washing to happen. They do not wait for the whole process to happen. They just go to the Lord's table and they take for themselves and they eat. Some people in the church, they will go to the marketplaces where they're selling, selling food sacrificed to idols and they will take that food and, and eat. And so Paul is at a distance, but he's wondering about the issues in the church and he writes a letter to address issues that are there. Paul writes a letter to address issues that are, are, are there. A letter is Paul's point of contact. It is Paul's touch point. We see letters where first century texts, letters where first century FaceTimes, Letters were first century WhatsApp messages. Letters were first century emails. They were the means and the ways in which people could keep in touch with each other. And Paul, though he's at a distance, though Paul is not present, he keeps in touch with the church. And Paul speaks to me that it's sometimes lazy to pick up a phone and text somebody. Paul is speaking to me who is sometimes busy to write an email to somebody. Paul is speaking to me that sometimes just gets caught up in the business of living life that I don't take the opportunity to check out. Maybe you are like me that struggle sometimes to keep in touch. But Paul, though he didn't have a text message, Paul, though he didn't have Facebook or Twitter or IG or email or where are, he is able to keep in touch with the church. And Paul is rebuking me right now. Paul is speaking to me right now and telling, telling me, my brother, I didn't have all the resources. I didn't have the resources at my disposal, but I made sure that I kept in touch. You see, a point of contact or a touch point is a point of contact or interaction, especially between a business and its customers. This is a business definition. But Paul did not view the church as a business. Paul viewed the church as a body of Christ that he needed to keep in touch with so that he can bless. Paul did not think of the church as something to get out of. He thought of the church as something to put in. And therefore he took the time, he took the energy to write them a letter. And scholars have told us and helped us to understand that Paul did not just write one letter and said, I'm done with it. Like some of us who just send one text, a happy Sabbath. Oh, I've, I've greeted somebody today and we are done with that. No, the Bible says, uh, not the Bible, or rather the Bible records at least two letters that Paul wrote to the church of Corinth. That means that Paul was interested in knowing and, re and meeting the needs of the church. And scholars have said that at least Paul would have written at least four letters. 
And so Paul was interested in making sure that he was keeping in touch with the church. People have said of Paul, Paul was a type A personality. Paul didn't care about relationships. He told the Galatians, you are foolish. He told one man, you are accursed because you don't believe in Jesus. It seems that Paul didn't care for people. But look at this text that says to end the book of 1 Corinthians, to tie it all together. This is what it says. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul did not focus on, on teaching alone. Paul focused on relationships. Paul was not interested in results he was interested in relationships. Scholars argue about Paul's letters. Uh, they talk about Paul's theology or teaching and doctrine. But I need you to realize this morning that Paul did not write any letter to simply address theology. He did not write a letter to talk about God and the Trinity and the Sabbath, to talk about creation, Elder Ray. He didn't write to talk about those subjects. But Paul could see that teaching was really tearing apart relationships, fellowship, and worship. And so he often wrote his letters to cement relationships. He wrote his letters to correct ideas that were destroyed fellowship and worship and so at the core of Paul is a pastor is a prophet is a preacher who cares about relationships and the church is built on relationships last time that I checked Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to elevate to take that escalator down from heaven and come right on earth so that he could be God with us it has never been about theology. It has never been about teaching. It has never been about programs. It has always been about relationships. What's the point of having a program if there's no relationship? What's the point of having a nice building if there are no people? What's the point of a good sermon if you cannot connect to, to the pastor? It's about relationships. And Paul says, I need to make sure that I'm keeping in touch. And it's interesting to me that when you read verse 19, Paul, verse 19 and verse number 20 and verse number 21, you see that Paul uses the word greet four times and he uses the word salutation one time. All of these words have the same root in Greek, right? And so this passage is really focusing on Paul's greeting the church. Uh, the word to greet really simply means to make somebody feel like they are somebody. It means to recognize the somebodiness of somebody. And that's what Paul is trying to help the church to understand in Corinth that you are somebody, that you are not a nobody. And that I see you and I recognize your dignity. I recognize your value. I recognize your worth. And if you just don't believe me, let me, let me put it to you in a way that you understand. And this is what Paul is trying to drive at. That everybody in the church is somebody. Everybody in the church means something. People are not just a statistic. People are not just a number. People are not just uh Customers, people are somebody. And the church is to treat everybody like somebody. Notice how Paul puts it. To make them feel like they are somebody. He says, 
The churches of Asia greet you. I love that. The churches of Asia greet you. Priscilla and Aquila greet you heartily. They greet you with everything that they have. With the church that is in their house, all the brethren greet you. Now, when Paul talks about the churches of Asia, he's talking about churches located on the western side of Turkey. And you know about these churches. And some of these churches we call or they are known as Ephesus. We have Pergamos, we have Thyatira, we have Philadelphia, and we have Sardis. These were historical churches. When you study church history, you discover that from the time that Jesus said, on you I'll build this rock, on you, on this I'll build my church, you begin to see that these seven churches represented every phase of church history. But Paul says to the church of Corinth, these churches are greeting you. The churches that are historical, that everybody talks about, they have taken the effort and the energy to greet you. Oh, that is beautiful. Paul says, Aquila and Priscilla greet you. This Christian power couple. And Paul met Priscilla and Aquila in Corinth. They helped him to establish the church in Corinth. They left with Paul and they went to Ephesus where they worked. And Priscilla and Aquila also started another church. And it's interesting to me that Paul is saying, these brothers who left the church and they are now in another place. They are also telling you that I am thinking about you. They're also saying, I am, I am, I recognize you. And Paul says, all the brethren greet you as well. Paul is talking about his cast of characters. He's talking about Luke. He's talking about Timothy. He's talking about Titus. And he's saying, they are greeting you. And so I realized something. Check this. Treating somebody like somebody is making sure that those you consider somebody are aware about the somebody. So I'm, I'm going to say it again so that it, it, it comes down to you. Because maybe I'm doing a lot more teaching and preaching this morning. Let me say it again. Treating somebody like somebody is making sure those you consider somebody are aware of the somebody. And you know what I'm talking about. The significant people in our lives know about the significant people in our lives. That is why you post on Facebook. That is why you talk about that particular person. Parents will talk about their babies. And we have new babies here at, at JCC. And, and when I ask, oh, how's the baby? And they talk about this and that because the baby is somebody. A husband who loves his wife will talk about the wife because the wife is somebody. A wife who loves the husband will talk about the husband because the husband is, is somebody. In fact, many of you will show that somebody is somebody by wearing a ring. Some of you even wear the same outfits. Some of you even do things to show that this person is somebody to me. And Paul is saying that within the church, we need to understand that everybody is somebody. Everybody has been fearfully and wonderfully made. And by Paul inviting this, uh, this church, these churches to greet the church of Corinth, Paul is simply saying, you are somebody. And I want somebody here to understand and hear me that you are somebody. There is somebodyness in you. There is dignity. There is worth. There is honor. And God put it in you. And do not allow anybody to tell you any different. Don't allow what people evaluate about you diminish your somebodyness. Don't allow people uh, to make you feel small.
Because God hasn't called you to be small. God has called you to be somebody. And I love this young man, David. He realizes that there is this giant who is making Israel feel like they are nobody. Israel, Saul, they are all hiding away at, at some mountain and, and looking at Goliath uh, cast out these aspersions and, and put the people of God down. God, David says, nah, I don't care how big you are. I don't care how big you think you is. I come in the name of God. And because I come in the name of God, I'm going to fight you, Goliath. And that's what I want somebody to understand. That you are a child of God. You have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. You have been invested in. You have been created in the image of God. And therefore, when you live your life, when you wake up every morning, understand and realize that is who you are. That is what God has destined you to be. It is not your job that makes you somebody. It is not your family that makes you somebody. It is not a church that makes you somebody. It is not a relationship that makes you somebody. It is not a, it is not things in this world that make you somebody. It is God who made you somebody. And please embrace that you are somebody. Oh yes, you are somebody and I'm glad for it this morning. I've joined a group and uh, this group, man, they make a bully feel like he belongs. Uh, I typically get notifications from the leader of the group and I'm told when we're going to run next. I'm told where we're going to, to, to meet up. Uh, but what I love is that the group members will text me privately telling me information just, just to make sure that I've gotten it. Henry, do you know that we're meeting here? Henry, they, they, they take that. They, they, they pick me up and say, Henry, I'm coming to get you. We, we are going out to, uh, to, to eat and I'm pulling out my wallet. Now, Henry, we got you, man. Don't, don't worry about this. And the bullet feels like he belongs. And that is what we need to do for people in the church. Make them feel like they belong. Make them feel like they're somebody. And it, it, it doesn't take much to actually make somebody feel like they're somebody. Sometimes you just need to go sit beside them and tell them happy Sabbath. Sometimes you just need to send a text message and let them know that you're thinking about them. Sometimes you just need to do that go send and send a package and say here it is. Sometimes it's simply paying attention to their story. Sometimes it's simply being present right there. When you're talking to them put your phone down when you're talking to them make them feel like they're somebody when you're talking to them make sure that you listen to their words make sure you listen to their emotions whatever it is just make sure that somebody feels like somebody and that's what the church lives uh, to do and I love how Brad Montague put it he said be somebody who makes everybody feel like somebody and you see, if we are to be able to do that, we need to be able to create touch points. And Paul is able to show us that we need to be able to make that effort to connect with people. Because that is the only way that people are going to feel like they're somebody. I mean, I got a text message this morning from, from somebody. I haven't heard them. I hadn't heard from them in a long time. But the message just simply came, happy Sabbath, Pastor. How are you doing? And I'm saying, man... This person, not in Indonesia, left Indonesia and gone, went to another country, has taken the opportunity to make me feel like somebody this morning. I'm like, wow, I'm ready to preach this morning. And that's what we can do for people. It doesn't take much to make somebody feel like 
that they are somebody. You see, the reason why Paul was able to make the church of Corinth feel like they are somebody is because he learned and he understood how to act in love. And you see, if you're to make somebody feel like they're somebody, you need to act in love. And now notice how the text puts it. It says, let all that you do be done with love. Okay. All right. Let all that you do be done with love. Uh, Paul is saying every action that you take should be done with love. Right. When you send a text message, it should be done with love. When you say, I'm going to pick you up, you should do it in love. When you say, I'm going to transfer some money to somebody, you should do it with love. Uh, that is, every action should come from an emotion of love. That is, I am putting into this person, I am giving to this person. I don't expect them to give me, but I'm giving to them. It is not how I necessarily feel. I may not be walking on clouds. I may not feel like sending emojis. I may not feel like it. But love is a principle that move, moves me to act on that particular person. And so Paul understood that if we are to make people feel like somebody, we need to come from a place of love. And what I love about Paul is that he took the opportunity to make sure that he wrote the letter, he wrote the conclusion of the letter with his own hand. Now check this, when, when, when Paul typically wrote letters, he never wrote them by himself. Putra, he never wrote them by himself. Paul wrote the letters using a secretary. Right, he would say, okay, secretary, sit down. I want you to start writing about this, about this, about this, about this. That's what was, that, that was his practice. But when it came to the greeting part of the letter, Paul wrote the letter and he made sure that it was with his own hand. That is, Paul is saying, I am putting a personal touch to this letter. He's saying, it is me who is greeting you and not my secretary. And that is what we need to understand about making somebody feel like they're somebody. That is what we need to understand about acting in love. We need to put in special effort to make sure that it is coming with a personal touch. Right now, we cannot be physically present with each other. But how can we put a personal touch to things? You can pick up a call, a phone, and make a call. You can go send stuff. You can do a lot of things, but what you need to do is make sure that when you act out in love towards somebody, it comes with a personal touch. And that is what a touch point is. I'm not going to leave it up to my wife to check on my mom or my, my dad because me and my dad are not, and my mama, when I look, when, when I, we're not in a good place right now. No. I'm going to take the responsibility to make sure that I'm the one reaching out. When I go to church, I'm not just going to allow the greeters to be at the door and greet people at church. I'm going to actually get up from my seat and go towards somebody, extend my hand and greet them. I'm going to be the one who is going to send text messages. I'm going to be the one who is going to go out of my way to do it by myself because I want somebody to realize and understand that it is coming from me. And when somebody understands, oh my goodness, he actually took the effort. He took the energy to check me out. Man, that person will be like, man, I'm feeling like somebody. So acting in love 
has to come from a place that we are willing to, to, to show that personal effect. Because what happens is when you use a personal touch, Elder Ray, it will show authenticity. That is, I really, I really mean this. And it will show affection. That is, I really, really care about you. And the church right now, though we are distant, that is what we need to do. Put a little authenticity to those text messages. Put a little authenticity in coming here on, on live streaming. Put a little authenticity in coming to a program. Whatever you got to do, make sure that it is coming from a place that you are real about it and that you care about somebody. Oh, yeah. We can act out in love. You know, and here is something that I want to throw out you. I, I want to throw to you that really impacted my thinking as I was thinking about the sermon is when Paul says, if anyone does not act if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. In other words, he's saying, if you're not acting out in love, it's really a reflection that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And because you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are accursed. Now, I told you, Paul was a loving person, but Paul was not shy to tell the truth as the truth needed to be said. So Paul says, if a person doesn't act out in love, if a person is not willing to show love to others, it simply means that they are not loving the Lord. And because they're not loving the Lord is because they, uh, they're not loving the Lord. Therefore, they are accursed. And this makes perfect sense because here is what I need you to understand. Jesus Christ came off the cross. He put, I believe, he gave us a check of blessings in terms of giving us salvation. And all you and me need to do is to take that check and cash it in and we take away our spiritual poverty. But a person who does not love the Lord, they do not recognize what Jesus did on the cross for them. And because they do not recognize what Jesus did for them, they're not able to cash in the check. They remain in their spiritual poverty and therefore God cannot help them. And the only thing that is remaining is for them to be destroyed in fact the word accursed here means to destroy this word came from the story of Jericho where the the city of Jericho had had rejected God God uses the Israelites to destroy Jericho and by destroying Jericho they were uh, they were they were annihilated and this young brother Achan decides to take things from the city of Jericho and because he did that he was also destroyed because of these these men and the city did not follow the will of God and therefore when we do not accept what God has done for us there is nothing else that God can do for us and because he cannot do anything for us we're remaining with the consequences notice what Paul says in the text he says Lord come because he was envisioning in his mind that the destruction is not now he was envisioning his mind that people are not lost now. They are lost when Jesus Christ will come. So here is the good news. That even though you may not love the Lord, you have not been loving the Lord. You can start loving the Lord today. Today you can say, Lord, I want to follow you. Today you can say, Lord, I want to do your will. Today you can accept the check that Jesus laid and has left for us. And you can take away your spiritual poverty. And there is somebody who has been fighting God. Now wanting to follow the will of God. But I'm, I'm here to offer you salvation. I'm here to tell you that with Jesus you can change your status if you only say Lord I want you for me and I love what Paul says for the love of Christ compels me how can I not love other people when Jesus has loved me how can I not show people that they are somebody 
When Jesus has shown me that I'm somebody. And so when Christ has come into our hearts, when we accept him, then we are willing to show people that they are somebody. People who don't love the Lord, they, they race bait. People who don't love the Lord, they treat people like they're nobody. People who don't love the Lord, they live a me, myself, I kind of religion. But people who love the Lord, they're willing to step out of the way and they may recognize differences in people. They may realize we don't come from the same place. We don't talk the same. But this person is a, is a child of God. Jesus died for them. Jesus died for me too. And therefore, I'm going to love them. And so unless the, word, the love of Jesus is in our hearts... Unless it is motivating us to move, then we cannot really treat people like they are somebody. And what ends up happening is we are accursed. Uh, and I'm here to tell you that you don't have to be cursed. You can be blessed. If you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to accept the love that you gave uh, to me. You see, it, treating somebody like somebody does not only happen... By osmosis. It doesn't happen by, by automation. It happens by intention. That is, I will go out of my way. That is, I will do my part to show that this person, this person, I love them. It's interesting that when you listen to presidents talk, uh, they will come up there and they'll say, Mr. or, or Madam Speaker, Mr. Vice President. And then they'll say things like uh, the people. They'll say those kind of things to begin their speech. And when I was younger and I would listen to people begin speeches like that, I'll be like, man, this person is wasting time. Why not just get to it, man? But what I began to understand and realize is that the speaker is trying to ensure that the people that he's about to address and to speak to they feel like they're somebody. Obviously, a speaker will focus on the elites, right? The, the, the big people at the, at, at the meeting. And then everybody becomes all the graduating class or, or the people, whatever it is. But what I love is that there is intention behind the speaker's uh, desire to make sure that those people that are listening to him, they have, they have their somebodyness elevated. They feel like they are somebody. And that's what you and me need to understand this morning is that we need to treat people as somebody from a place of intention. That is, we plan about it. That is, we put it in our hearts and our minds that I'm going to treat this person like somebody. And that is why Paul says here, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, he, he says, I have greeted you. The churches of Asia have greeted you. Priscilla and Aquila have greeted you. All my co-workers have greeted you. But now, turn around and use that greeting to greet everybody else. In other words, Paul is saying, it is your duty and responsibility to make sure that everybody in the church feels like they are somebody. That is, you don't leave it only to the greeters. You don't leave it to a special group of people in the church. That is, you need to make the effort to make sure that everybody within the church is greeted. I don't know how they did it. Perhaps they went to church one Sabbath in the church of Corinth and, and, and the elder or the preacher stood up. He said, okay, happy Sabbath, everybody. We got a letter from Paul and Paul is saying, let's greet each other with, uh, with a holy kiss. 
I don't know what, what, how they did it. Maybe they got up from their seats and then they looked at each other, looked around. They found their friends and they greeted each other. But I want you to know that it wasn't just uh, 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 anybody could greet each other with a holy kiss. It was men on men, women on women because hey, we got to keep that thing straight in the church. And so it was, a, it was just a show of affection. It was just a show of, hey, I care about you. It was a show of, I'm thinking about you. It was a show of, you and me are in a good relationship. Can you imagine that son and that mother who had committed incest and then they have to greet their own father? Can you imagine members who are taking each other to, to court and, and they're going before litigators and lawyers? They have to greet each other with a, with a holy kiss. Paul is saying, you need to, to embrace one another. You need to be together and show each other that you are you are no longer at odds with each other and that's what greeting and that's what treating people like they're somebody means that is I have affection for you that is we have no problems that is there are no issues with us that's why Paul says greet one another with a holy kiss it should come from a place of of purity right it should come from a place of concern and care it should come to a place where you want to fix things and i'm talking to people that some of you have been wounded because of the church some of you have been wounded uh, by somebody you cared for uh, and you felt like we need to break off the friendship we need to break off the relationship we need to we need to break off fellowship and worship we need, we need to break it off but but i'm here to suggest that if it is not toxic and you can fix it why don't you approach them that person with a with a holy kiss i'm not saying you have to kiss that person no that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying why don't you reconcile things why don't you come to that person and let's embrace and let's fix what has gone wrong because you understand that within the church everybody is somebody we might make mistakes we may not like each other we may we may disagree sometimes but there never comes a place where we hate each other so Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. And I'm inspired by this because I think of another kiss. I think of another kiss. There in the, 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 the garden, in, in, in the Mount of Olives, Jesus is with the disciples. And he is giving them his last closing statements. I'm going to die. I'm going to be crucified. And there he sees, he, he looks, and there's a mob coming. It is a little dark. He cannot see well yet. But he sees, okay, there's a mob coming. And they have, they have, they have light. Uh, they have torches in their hands. They have swords. And they're coming with soldiers. And Jesus is thinking to himself, who are these people coming? And there, uh, they, 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 they get closer. And Jesus can start now to make it out. And he sees that it is Judas leading the armies of the priests and the religious leaders. It is Judas, his friend, coming to him. And, Jesus, and, and Judas comes, closes in on Jesus, and he kisses him with an unholy kiss. And because of that unholy kiss, Jesus was crucified. And sometimes we, we kiss each other in the church with unholy kisses. We're in, impure intentions. We, we, we are angry at each other. And instead of being a blessing to each other, we end up being a curse. Instead of lifting each other, we end up bringing ourselves, bringing each other down. We, we criticize and we knock each other down. And we have 
ill and, and, and relationships have been broken. And this not only happens in the church, it happens at home. It happens in the workplace. But, uh, but here Jesus says, uh, Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Start, stop with the wrong intentions and go to that person with pure intentions. I'm here to fix things. I'm here to, to show you that I care about you. I'm here to connect. I'm here to be with you. That is what touch points is really all about. It is about connecting and being with people. It is about elevating and lifting them up. Letting them know that you and me, we are, we are in a good place. And in this season, the only way we're going to be able to survive this COVID season is if we learn to create touch points with people. And that is where we learn to connect and be in the same place. Is a relationship destroyed that needs to be put together? Do you need to expand your network of friends? Have you treated people like they're nobodies? Do you need to create a touch point? Should you start an IG live? Should you do something to change a relationship, a friendship? Do you need to accept the love of Jesus for you? Do you feel like you don't love Jesus enough? Do you feel like you need to be inspired? Today can be that day you say, you know what? I want that to happen to me. I want to have a connection. I want to be in touch and in tune with God. I want to be connected as well as connected with those around me. And I want to be connected in such a way that I'm a blessing, not a curse. I want to change situations. And I want to bring in a new breath of fresh air. I want my relationships and my friendships and my worship and my fellowship, whatever it is. I want it to be at a good place. And that's what we need today. That's what Touch Points is all about. Building relationships, building friendships, building fellowship. The church needs this. This COVID season, we need this. I don't know how the message has spoken to you. I don't know what God has told you. But today can be that day where we change the tide. Where we turn things around and we connect once again. This dynamic of touch points and connecting will never change. No matter if the church is distanced. No matter if the church is apart. We can still be present. And this is what God is calling me to do. And I hope God is calling you to do the same. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Heavenly Father. Thank you. For touching us at our point of need. Jesus came, he connected with us, he loved us, and Father, we want to be able to do the same. We want to be able to connect. Uh, we want to be able to relate. We, we, we want to be able to do that. So Heavenly Father, I'm asking you that in a, in a special way, you would help us with the challenges and the issues that we have. Things that are keeping us away from contact. Uh, things that are keeping us away from building good, strong connections. And help us, Lord, to create those touch points. And Father, I pray that in whatever way you're spoken to us, Lord, help us to put that into practice. And help us, Lord, to make it real. Father, I ask for your blessing. And I ask, Lord, for your leading. And I humbly ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.